Welcome, my Chicana and Latina moms. This space has been created only for you, solo para nosotras, Chicanas and Latina moms. In these episodes that I share with you, I talk about self-care and self-love and how to empower your being. You are not alone, and this is a revolución. We will continue to fight, fight for what is right for our being, starting with our own mental health, to be able to help and inspire those in need, starting with ourselves, our kids, our family, our community. I hope you enjoy all of these episodes that I record for you with all of my corazón para todas mis hermanas, Chicanas and Latina moms. Hey, my Chicana and Latina sisters, please do not forget to leave a review and give me your feedback. I would really appreciate it. This also helps other new listeners know what we're about. Gracias. Hola, my Chicana and Latina moms. ¿Cómo están? Thank you so much for being here. I'm sick, as you can tell in my voice. Um, and yeah, I had a fever several days ago and it was horrible. My family, my two aunts, my mom and my abuelito's um, wife made me caldo. Not just for me, for my family as well. But I'm caldoed out, you guys. Like, cuatro días comiendo caldos. Like, I'm grateful, but I'm like, como que ya no se me antojan los caldos. <laughs> oh, my God. And I have this, like, remedy. Lemon, ginger. What is the other thing? Honey, garlic, I think, too, if I'm mistaken. And um, red onion. I think it's all that. It smells horrible. It tastes all right, but I have a lot of it. So that's what I've been doing throughout these days of my life because I've been sick. But anyways, um, I want to share with you guys that in today's episode um, is Chingona Guest Speaker Edition. And we have a beautiful lady by the name of Araceli Vargas. She's 27 years old and she's pursuing her JD to become an environmental lawyer focusing on water rights. Um, and she loves to advocate um, for minorities to focus on clean drinking water for everyone, right? But especially minorities um, who do not have the resources and or the opportunities to be educated on clean drinking water. And she lives in California and she comes from family of immigrants and She is a first-generational Mexican-American and the first to graduate from a university. And her family migrated from Morelia, Michoacán, with the help of coyotes. And I can totally relate to that as well. So she's going to share with us her story. She reached out and she said, Hey, I want to share my story with others and inspire them to seek help and to do what is needed to live a life with purpose, right? And with peace. So we are going to be talking about breaking generational curses and breaking cycle. So let's get started and listen to Araceli Vargas share her story.
Hola, Chicana and Latina moms. Thank you so much for being here. We have our Chingona guest today, Araceli Vargas. Hello, Araceli. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, how are you? Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, thank you for reaching out also and um, for, you know, willing to share your heart and and your thoughts and your journey, you know, um, as a Mexican-American and um tell us a little bit about yourself i'm a little sick by the way so a lo mejor voy a estar tosiendo but <laughs> maybe maybe not but i just want to like give a heads up <laughs> no yeah it's fine it's that time of the year anyway. i know but yeah yeah go <laughs> so for it i'm uh i'm here in chico california i'm originally from marysville california the yuba county area uh, my all my entire family lives in santa maria california though and oh, okay. now I am actually pursuing uh, law. Um, I'm actually finding out what law schools I will be getting into within these next few weeks. Nice. Um, yeah. Awesome. I'm, I'm the first generation Mexican American. Beautiful. Um, yeah. And first, the first in my family to graduate from a university as well, which is pretty amazing. Yes. Um, it's, it's, it's literally crazy how... To be honest, like being a first generation Mexican American, it's they always pushed education on me, uh -huh. but at the same time, I never I never knew anybody who went to school in my family. Yeah, uh, literally the only people that I knew that went like pursued education was my teachers. Yeah. Um, but I didn't. Like, my mom didn't. She she had me at fifteen when she was a freshman in high school. And then, um, obviously, she didn't go to college. Um, she she also had my little brother when she was 18. So she literally had two kids by the time she graduated high school. Oh, so wow. um, it's, it was crazy when I graduated this year and seeing my grandparents attend their first university graduation wow. ceremony. It was very emotional. Yeah. But very rewarding as well. Um but yeah, so um, going into it, uh, I am 27 now, and like I said, I just graduated with my bachelor's in political science. Um, nice. And, Congratulations. Uh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and now I'm going for yeah my JD. I really want to pursue environmental law, uh, focusing on water rights here in California. Beautiful. Uh, yeah. That is so needed. It's so no, rare to hear that. Yeah. Yeah, because California is the fifth biggest economy in the world, yet there's over a million Californians without clean drinking water. Mm -hmm. And you know where those areas are in California? And like the, mostly in the minorities. Where exactly. San Juan Green Valley, Bakersfield, yeah. all those agricultural areas, but all those agricultural areas are very prominent in like Hispanics yeah, and, yeah. you know, field workers, you know, migrant workers that don't know English and are not educated. They don't have the opportunity to even be educated. Um, and so, you know, I take that to, to heart because I come from field work, like a field working family. Yeah. Your parents, so, they're the one, both of them. Yes. Both of my parents, um, are were field workers my grandpa is still a field worker oh wow yeah so it's just i when i see like farmers 
taking advantage of their workers, you know? Yeah. Like, it sucks, you know, with Mexicans, we're, we're so hardworking people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we just, like, go get it. We're just go-getters and people take advantage of that sometimes. Yeah. But, yeah, so I really would love to help my community with that. Yeah. When I say community, you know, like just my people. Yeah, that so. and that's that's exactly yeah. what what is needed. Um, because yeah, they take advantage, right? Like a lot of the parent or not just well, parents who are immigrants, right? Or or people who are not parents, but are who are immigrants in general. Um, mm-hmm. you know, bien trabajadores, so like they don't even sometimes get a break like or go to the restaurant because like it's more of the let's make money you know the the boss um selfish mentality and sometimes they're like pues no quiero pedir un día para para ir al batizo de mi hija you know or like they say you know they choose rather to work than to be there in a celebration because they know it's a survival mode and it's no, exactly yeah. exactly it's like constantly like in the surviving mode and mm-hmm. just like yo, you could rely on other people. You could be, just speak up, you know, because you do have rights here. And it's not, I'm not even trying to hate on farmers. You know, we, those are the people that we rely on on food. Yeah. But at the same time, like, be better. Yeah. <laughs> do better. And uh, for just the, the field workers, I just, I, you know, I, I wish one day, we've been fighting this fight for, many many years but i just really wish that one day exactly. we have more opportunity for those people it's for minorities just everywhere yeah but yeah, yeah clean drinking right. water is just a it's a basic human right and people don't understand that yeah exactly the water they're drinking is contaminated you know mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah exactly mm-hmm. um but yeah it's it's sad but i'm really you know proud of you and thank you for doing that um, because it's so needed and um you know we're you're going to talk to us about your life um and i you know and and thank you for reaching out and wanting to share this because i know that many will definitely benefit from your story and from what you'll share with your heart you know um we will be obviously talking about breaking generational curses and the breaking cycle um so tell us, um, Araceli, about like, what have you learned from that? You know, where where do you want to start? Because that's a, it's a deep topic, yeah. right? So, yeah. you know, what what is it that you would like to share with us, um, today? So it's very yes, it's my life. Wow, I I went through it. My mom went through it. Um, like I I mentioned, my mom had me at fifteen. Mm-hmm. Um, she came here to the United States when she was around seven years old. Nobody knew English, of course. Um, my grandparents were here when they were, they got here like in their early 20s, just working with their uh, work visa. Oh, okay. Um, field working from California all the way to Washington, like picking cherries, strawberries, peaches, everything. Wow. And then they finally were able to get, uh, bring my mom and my uncle to the United States at a very young age through Coyotes. Oh, thank yeah. them. I thank them with my yeah. whole heart. But yeah. Um, so obviously, being coming here to the United States, it was very hard. 
um, not knowing the language, not knowing many people to even help you out. Yeah. So my grandparents constantly worked, you know, they were never home. My mom was seven years old and my uncle was six or five. So my mom at that age basically had to become a mom as well. Yeah. Um, just helping out around the house with my uncle. And then when my aunt was born, uh, she, she took care of my aunt as well. Just at a very young age. So my mom grew up very, very fast. Uh, and then she met my dad at the age of 15, had me. And then three years later, had my little brother. And then that's when I kind of started to remember things. As in how abusive my dad was, an alcoholic, yeah, manipulative, um, all that. There was one time... My mom actually told me a, a story of when she was pregnant. She was almost due with my brother, and my dad put a knife against her belly because he didn't believe that it was his. Wow. And um, it's just, it's really hard to think, you know, think of that with your mom. Like, dude, that's my mom. Like, yeah. why, why would anybody do that to her? And then as the years progressed, my dad became worse he would hit her with pots pans he would knock her out unconscious and then wouldn't make her bleed make her do everything serve him and it was to the point where people started to notice you know they started to notice her bruises like carolina what's going on you know oh i just fell or you know the kids were playing baseball outside or you know, she started making up excuses. Yeah. But then it was to the point, too, with our family, they they knew what was going on. But because, you know, mach- the machismo culture is so prominent in the Mexican culture where mm-hmm. it's just, it's all hush-hush because a lot of the women, traditional women that go, you know, from many years ago have went through that as well. So it's just like, oh, you just have to put up with it. You know, yeah. He's your he's your husband. You need to listen to him. You know, he makes some money. Yeah. You need to listen to him. And it's it's because we are so used to that. We are so used to that cycle of like, okay, well, yeah, I have to serve my man because he makes the money. He bring he's he's a breadwinner. So I need to have everything clean and cooked for him. When that's not the case. Like it shouldn't be that way at all. Yeah. And um. So I was also, I had to keep quiet as well. I always had to keep that secret that from, from everybody, from my family, from my friends, that my dad was literally physically abusing my mom to the point where she would knock out and wow. didn't even know what was going on and left her so many bruises on her face and would get mad at us if we like saw anything or if we even interrupted him. And then um, there was specifically one night, I was 10 years old, and that's when everything ended. Yeah. It was with his side of the family, we had a baptism party for one of my little cousins, and it was at a hall. We uh, They rented a DJ, a banda, and everything. 
you know, we go all, us Mexicans go all out for it. Yeah. You know, yeah. Parties, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's really fun and everything. But um, as the night progressed, you know, everybody's dancing. My mom loves to dance, though. So she was dancing with my aunt, his sister, okay? Mm-hmm. And my dad is already blacked out drunk. And this, this day, they remember so clearly. I'm 10 years old. My little brother's seven. And as he's drinking, and he's getting mad at my mom for dancing with his sister. And she tells him, she's like, we're going to leave soon. I'm like, okay. And I was like, is my dad coming with us? She's like, no, he's he's fine. He's with his family. He could figure out a ride. Like, okay. Um, And then she, she grabs me and my brother. We start walking to the car. It's, it's, um, the hall is on gravel like everywhere it's just it's a very out of nowhere place all gravel all rock outside okay okay as as we lead up to the car she straps my brother in i get in the car she hands me her phone she said if anything happens call 911 because my dad we see my dad coming out from the hall like following us yeah trying you know just trying to stop us i'm assuming or anything she doesn't even, she barely opens the, her driver's door trying to get into her seat. And that's when he grabs her from behind the head and bashes her face in, into the ground, into the gravel wow. ground, starts yeah. beating her up. I dial, I dial 911, but that's when I start screaming because that's when I just start seeing blood. Yeah. And then Did that's finally time? when everybody starts coming out. Yeah. And, you know, they're trying to get him off of her. But my dad, at the time, he was very, he was very stocky. He was, what, I want to say 25 at the time, 25 or 26 years old. So, you know, that's almost at prime. Yeah. And um, so he was, he was a very strong man at the time and just ripped. So it, I, it literally felt like it took like 10 minutes for him to get off of her. And I'm just screaming my head off, crying. And my aunt, he has, it was my three aunts. Am I allowed to say names? Um, I would say maybe not, just because maybe they, because they haven't consented. Just okay. to be safe, yeah. Yeah, so I had three aunts. It was three of his sisters there. And I'm like screaming my head off, like, because at that time I dropped the phone as well that she gave me, because mm-hmm. I I couldn't even think. And I'm looking at my brother; he's still in the car. He doesn't see anything, so yeah. I'm just freaking out. And my aunts are just get, getting together, like trying to like see what's going on and see, see what we could do. And my at the time, my dad's off of her. My mom is unrecognizable at the time too. She yeah. has blood all over her face. She's, she's gone. My mom is gone. And he's literally yelling, leave her here so I can finish her off. Leave her here. Just leave her here. Like, let me kill her. And my aunts, who are not even a foot away from me, are asking themselves, should we leave her here or should we take her to the hospital? So casually, should we leave her here or should we take her to the hospital? I'm screaming yeah. my head off right next to them. Yeah. My yeah. own aunt, my blood. Yeah, that's my very blood. traumatic. It's an experience, yeah. right? Right. 
And it took a while because my mom, she's, she's not even coherent. She's done. And they finally, let's, let's get her in the van because I started hearing sirens as well. Yeah. Because, um, I'm assuming when I dialed 911, that's when they tried to get the location, but I just dropped the phone. I didn't even say anything to them. Um, so they got the location and I started hearing sirens. So they got her into the van, me and my brother as well, my cousins. And we started going to the hospital. And then I see my dad, my dad's truck behind us. Oh. And yeah. yeah. I'm, I asked my uncle, I was like, hey, can I please, it's, it's midnight at the time. Hey, can I please call my grandma? Can I please call my grandma? No, it's too late. Well, my mom is they almost dead right next to me. She's bleeding out of her head. Oh, wow. May I please call my grandma? No, it's too late. No, it's too late. I'm like, okay. And then we get to the hospital. They don't even let me go inside with her at all. Because you were 10, dad. right? And then... How old were uh, you again? 10? I was 10. Yes, yeah, I was 10. So they didn't let me go in. We were waited out there for a little bit outside of the hospital until my uncle finally took me, my brother, and my cousin to the to his house so we could, you know, sleep and everything. Yeah. But I couldn't even sleep. We get there and I'm literally I cry my I cry myself to sleep at that time. And um, when I finally wake up, um, I hear a knock on the door. And I'm just praying to God that it's, you know, honestly, I prayed to God that it was cops, but it wasn't. Yeah. Uh, it was actually my aunt, Araceli. Um, and I will tell you, I will get to the part of how she even got there or how she even knew what was going on. But. So your mom was, was your mom. So when you, you said that the cops located the area, but you guys took off before they got there then, right? Correct. Oh, yeah. okay. So, so nobody even knows like what had happened. Like oh, they just got, so they you're... probably got there when okay. my, the rest of the family was still there, kind of like just clearing out, you know? And, but we had, we had left before the cops got there. So your mom was not taken to the hospital. Yeah. My, no, my, um, my aunt finally took her to the hospital. Oh, they took, oh, okay. The, yeah. And um, while my dad was following us to the hospital. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah, okay. and I couldn't see my mom yeah. when she was in the hospital, and I couldn't call my grandma. I couldn't do anything. They just, my uncle just drove us to his house to sleep. Oh, okay. And when I woke up, yeah, uh, when I woke up, my aunt was actually at the door, and she said, where is your mom? And I just started bawling. I said, I don't and even know. That's your mom's you know, sister, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mention that. Yeah, so my aunt, Araceli, is my, is my mom's sister. Okay. She got to the door and she's like, where's your mom? I said, I don't know. I'm, she's at the hospital, I think. And then my cousin comes out of nowhere and he's like, no, she's actually in my room sleeping with your dad. Oh, what? Your mom? So I, yes. I said, what? I thought she I go into yeah. the room and she, I see her, the hospital bands on her wrist try to wake her up. And she wakes up and she, she she wakes up and she sees her. She's like, "What happened?" She's like, "Who?" She's like, "Who are you?" To me. Oh, your mom. Yes. She's, Who are you? 
what happened? I'm like, mom, you're my, you're my mom. Mom, we have to go. Who, who are you? And then Aerosley walks in to the room. She's like, Carolina, we have to go. She remembered my aunt Aerosley. She knew an Aerosley, oh. but she didn't know. She knew that it was her sister, but she didn't know me at all. Yeah. And my dad was laying right next to her. He's like, no, she's staying here. I said, dad, no, we're leaving. And we get into the car. We go back to the hospital. And the doctor had said that my aunt, when she was admitted the first time, the night before, that she had fell from the stairs. That my aunt had told the doctor she had fell from the stairs outside. Like, oh, definitely, because that makes sense. She had just stitches all over her head. But for sure, that makes sense. You know, yeah. And she doesn't remember who I am. And... Uh, the doctor actually even said, he's like, no, like you did, you did the right thing. He's like, if you would have waited 10 more minutes, she would have been brain dead. Wow. Yeah. She was in a coma for a little bit and it, she did not remember who I, me or my brother were for a while. Yeah. She, she, it, it was like almost as if she was a teenager again. Like she, that was her memory. She was a teenager. She wasn't a mom. She wasn't older. She's just not herself. Yeah, that must have been so tough for you to see that, and and um, you know your your aunts protecting the dad versus you know the one that actually yeah. needed the care. Mm-hmm. They just wanted to protect their brother, even in the wrong, the yeah. worst wrong. So that's the thing. Yeah. It wasn't his actions weren't justified it doesn't matter like it's not okay and that's right after the hospital we went to the cop we went to the police station and I told I gave them the entire story and because it actually wasn't my dad's first offense he did time Mm -hmm. he did over two years I believe and right away that's when because we li- at the time, I, we lived in a nice house. We had everything. We went back to my grandparents. My mom became a single mom. She f- regained her memory. Oh, good. So it it took a while, but she 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 started remembering everything. Um, and you know, he went he went to jail for a while. I didn't talk to him for the entire time. And then uh, even my aunts, uh, I they saw my mom and my grandma on grocery shopping one time mm-hmm. and they told her that she deserved it. Wow. That's yeah. so cold. So crazy. Yeah. And, um, so we, it was, it was a struggle. Obviously my mom, obviously I wanted my parents to be together. My dad what is the hardest working man that I know. And you know, he, he fucked up. He messed up. Yeah. Um, he, I didn't talk to him for the two years that he was in jail. And then it took a while for me to go back mm-hmm. to, we don't even, we have a relationship now, but it, I wanted, I want, I was a daddy's girl. And just because he always promised me, he's like, I'm, I'm not going to hit your mom again. 
I'm not going to drink again. He kept, he always had that promise. Yeah. And he would always break it, you know? And there was even times where I remember waking up in the middle of the night where my mom is trying to, she's, she's like, we're leaving, we're leaving him. We're finally leaving him, you know? And then, but when you're in that state, you know, you, you, when you don't know better, when you grow up in that environment and he comes and he comes and finds him, he's like, I'm going to do better. I'm going to do better. And like false promises, right? Yes. False promises, but also in the female stance, like, okay, well, I was raised in this culture. I was raised like this as well. As in like, I have to, I have to stick it out, you know? Yeah. You don't, you don't have to. It's like, because women who are raised or who are around that environment, 70% of that, 70% will always go back to them and stay. Yeah, that's a high number. It's so yeah, dangerous. 70%. Domestic violence is serious thing. Mm-hmm. And so it really took that night, meet my mom forgetting who I am, to finally leave my dad. Um, and she, 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 she got three jobs. She worked her ass off. For yeah. my brother and I, and yeah. she gave us everything. She tried to give us everything, but I never, never heard her speak bad on my father. Yeah, even it... after that, because she's like, "No, mm-hmm. he well, he gave me you guys. You know, I'm always gonna love him for that. He gave me you guys." Yeah, I never saw her cry over just. Be- I cry now, you know. I'm yeah. 27 years old, and I, I have breakdowns, and I'm like, "Mom, how?" I can't, I never saw you cry one time. You were a single mom of two working three jobs and I'm over here like with school and crying, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, I never saw her cry over just the littlest things. And it's just her resilience is just, she's literally a superwoman. And it's, it's kind of emotional because it's, it's when your family, it's like, I, how are you going to do that to your niece, you know? And yeah. then say that, oh, she deserved it. But mm. many, many years passed, you know, she got, she actually, my mom got hypnotized to re, uh, forget that night. She remembers everything else, but she, uh, she got hit, uh, like the, the therapy where oh, you hypnotized yes. uh-huh. to like forget most of that. Uh-huh. That's what she did. Oh, Because nice. she didn't want to hold so much hate into her heart and stuff. And because my brother was so young, and he doesn't really remember a lot of it. So he's he's actually very close to the, my dad's side of the family. And, you know, like, there's no wrong in that. I want you to be close to your family, right? Yeah. You know, it's, it's a good thing. You know, we family's everything. Um, but when my... So my grandma... Sorry, backtrack. That's how... Um, my grandma's a curandera, basically. She's like a witch doctor. She's an indi- indigenous... Uh, Mexico, Mayan, yeah. Mayan for Mexico, right? Yeah. She's very like witchy and just like, and just good vibes though. Yeah. But uh, that's how she knew. That's why Eric Sully came to the house that next morning after the incident because my grandma knew something was going on. She's yeah. like, hey, go find, wow. your, go find your sister. Yeah. So it, was, uh, it makes my skin crawl. Yeah. It's, it's so crazy how she. And then her mother oh. instinct thing kicked in, so it was like, that's a superpower too right there. 
no, exactly. <laughs> you know? So it's just like when I saw my aunt, I was like, what? The hell? You know, I was, I've been trying, I've been wanting to reach somebody, you yeah. know, but they're not letting me. Yeah. And so, um, so a few years later passed by after my aunt had told my mom that she deserved everything. I'm like, um, whatever. My mom took it. She's like, okay. Um, but a few, like years later, my aunt apologized to my mother and to my grandma. Like, Hey, I'm so sorry for what had happened and everything. They accepted their apology. And then my aunt asked my grandma if she could cure them. And my grandma was like, you know what? I forgive you guys because you are the aunts of my grandchildren but I will never do you any favors. Mm. Yeah, because my yeah. grandma, she's very well known around the, my area. Yeah. For, you know, for, you know, Mexican stuff. Like, in, yeah. In the, you know, she, yeah. She Salvadora so too, I, right? Yeah. Salvadora. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she does all that. So she, 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 she's like, yeah, like you guys are the aunt. So I forgive you, but I'll never do you any favors. But it's. Yeah, it's, her boundaries. It's not a, yeah, it's sad to say for me because I kind of resented them for, I mean, they never apologized to me. And I was the one who witnessed it all. Yeah, you know? yeah. And it's, it's it sucks because I wish I had a relationship maybe. Um, yeah. I do have a relationship with my cousins, but I I believe in karma. And karma really got to them. You know? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's a it's an it's, unfortunate you know situation. Yeah. Domestic violence and this generational traumas, right? Like, of your father, like, you know what he went through as a child, and then what your mom went through as a child, and now you have your path, right? Like you're focusing on, on healing yourself and, um, and creating this journey, right, in your career to help others and. When we help others, is like also a way of healing ourselves, right? Like helping our, our being. But um, what is like one thing or two or three um, that you can share? I think that, you know, you were a little girl that witnessed so much and now you're an adult. Um, what is something that you can share with the listeners as to like what you suggest like in advice? That you're not alone. Yeah. That speak to somebody, you know, don't be quiet. Do not be silent because it's your story matters, mm-hmm. you know, and there's domestic violence comes in every shape. It's not only just physical, it's mental. It's, you know, it's emotional yeah. abuse. It's all of that. And share your story, like express it, write it down. So, you don't hold so much hate into your heart yeah. and always keep going as in do the best for yourself, wake up and I'm going to do this as in like, I'm going to heal. Once I, once I heal, my family's healing. Yeah. You know, you're right. I'm my, my family came here for a better life and I'm the one who's, who's breaking all the generational curses. I am going to do better. I am going to be an attorney, you know, yeah. as in they couldn't really do anything. 
but I I am here and I'm they made so many sacrifices for for me to be where I'm at yeah if that makes sense yeah yeah you're so right well thank you Araceli so yeah, much for course. sharing thank your story you. uh, you're welcome you're welcome I mean this is um a space um for all of you and to share story right um to share the story of of what you've gone through, of what, how others can learn from it. Um, but thank you so much for being here. Um, I wish you the best. I'm proud of you. Keep thriving. You know, quereres poder, you know. And unidas queremos cambio, pero solo conexión. Even though we're doing it separately in our own homes, pero a la misma vez, like, together, right? To make yeah. an impact. Because um, calladitas no more, that's for sure. So thank yeah. you so much. Thank you for letting me share my story. Um, yeah, you're very welcome. Very welcome. So thank you so much, Chicana and Latina moms, for listening to Araceli's story. Just remember that you are not alone. Domestic violence is a serious issue. And ask for help. Speak up. No está sola. Thank you so much and stay tuned for more. Adios. Adios.